0: Trigger warning. High functioning directly deals with the realities of mental illness and mental health issues. As a result, some listeners may find this content triggering. We encourage listeners to tune in and out in a way that feels safe for them and seek support if they need. If you are in crisis, please call 911 or visit your nearest hospital. If you're in Canada, you can also call Crisis Services Canada at 1-833-456-4566 or text 741741. This episode contains candid discussions of depression, anxiety, suicide, privilege, dissociation, ADHD, professional and personal support systems, medication, therapy, and the struggles we've had coping with mental illness.
1: Hey, I'm Britt. And I'm Amira. And this is High Functioning. A podcast about people who struggle with mental illness while still maintaining seemingly productive and successful lives.
0: Right. We're basically trying to be as millennial as possible by starting our own podcast. And after this, we're actually going to go grab some avocado toast. And we're not buying a house, to be clear.
1: (laughs) Because of the avocado toast. Jokes, we're in quarantine. All right, episode three. Episode three of high-functioning with our fancy mics. How was your setup this morning? Was it easier than last time? Yeah, I just knew exactly what to do.
0: I'm professional. I'm actually recording now, which is better than last time when we started talking and I wasn't
1: recording. So I feel like I'm doing great. I'm basically a professional now. We are recording an episode today called Well Adjusted. Mm -hmm. Are you well-adjusted, Britt? Great question. Being well-adjusted changes. (laughs) changes. <laughs> this is the whole point of this episode is we really want to talk about how adjust being well adjusted is something that is in flux. Um, it's not consistent. And we constantly have to kind of do like a, an audit of where we're at um, and use our different strategies or develop new strategies and whatnot to keep ourselves in that balanced, well-adjusted form. But then it's interesting actually just being asked, are you well-adjusted? Uh, Right now, I think I've recently made some changes that, yes, have brought me back into like a well-adjusted place with my well-being, which obviously very much includes my mental health. What about you? Uh,
0: I think I'm adjusting. I think I've made a couple of changes that I think will lead to me being a bit more well-adjusted. But there's this transition time that can kind of be a little bit painful in between um, when you're making some of those changes. Like the change when you make it... that's that's what I I think people forget sometimes is that when you make changes towards being well-adjusted, it doesn't always feel good at first. So whether that's like changing medication, changing therapists, it's like any change, very uncomfortable, very scary. Um, You might not want to do it, but then later on it it gets better. It gets better. I I hate that, but like it, it does. Um, and yeah so i think i'm in an adjusting period i'm in a bit of the uncomfortable and eh, i don't like it period
1: what are cues for you that you know that something needs to change something's out of balance it all sounds so like cliche and cheesy the way we're talking about it but it, it is the actual term <laughs> like things feel out, out of whack what what are those cues for you yeah uh
0: For me, it can be a lot of tiredness or a lot of like muscle pain and just body pain. Like I feel, I feel my mental health physically a lot. And so that's, it's really about listening to my body and what I can and can't do. But I also start to emotionally shut down more than usual. So I think you or or other friends will notice it in my text frequency going down or the way I text changes and sometimes I notice those cues and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I need to be called, called out on them being like, Hey, you're, you're talking a little differently or you're not quite yourself. Um, and that's a good reminder because,
1: you know, I'll
0: I'll have these like, kind of like daily check-ins where I'm like, how am I feeling today? Whatever. Like a lot of people will, but I kind of need to do these, like, how have I been the past month? Like in the past month, have I been feeling in the past? I mean, I'm gonna use my business terminology, You know, like what's my quarterly update? And like, um, I think it's important to, to know what those are. And then just also paying attention to what's changing in my life. Like, okay, I've got a busy period at work, so my I, I might need to adjust a couple of other things to, to feel okay. And what does that look like? And there's sometimes where the changes you need to make will be really obvious, and sometimes they won't be at all. But, yeah.
1: I think that's a good tra- transition, all these change words, I was looking up synonyms,
0: disruption.
1: transformation, just look at any tech company's website, you'll find 50, journey, innovation, and I've lost my train of thought. No, I haven't. I What I was going to say is that sometimes being well-adjusted or finding your cues is really obvious because it correlates with a life change. Yep. So quarantine is a great example, right? We have certain strategies that are based on things we can't do right now. So we have to change our strategies. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it has nothing – like nothing in life really changes. Just all of a sudden – the strategies that you had before, aren't working in the same way or whatever, something's changing, a relationship is changing with your therapist. Like these aren't necessarily things you can predict or even put your finger on at first. Like they're a little harder to catch. And so it's a it's a good point. Like how, how do you notice it? If you notice it, it usually takes a while. And then yeah, it can be really uncomfortable to change it. One thing that I've definitely noticed with those kinds of changes that don't feel as obvious, I question them so much. Is this the right thing? Should I even believe myself? Like one thing that I kind of wanted to touch on with adjustments is medication. We've both had our fair share of adjustments with medication. And I think when we did our medication episode, I talked about medication working really well for me. And then I believe I was either like changing to be off of medication or was off of them already. And I was kind of like, yeah, like I don't really know if I'll go back on. Um, And then I had to make the tough decision to go back on them, and uh, then there was changes in you know which medication I went on and et cetera et cetera, and all of those decisions. It wasn't anything that necessarily was changing outwardly, but there was like you know, why was my medication working so well for me for eight months, let's say. And then all of a sudden the tiredness from it was way too much and I needed to get off of it. But then while I was off of it, all, everything felt not well adjusted, but then getting back onto it is also such an uncomfortable period. And like, because you don't have those super clear cues of life is changing, you question yourself a lot. Do you find that? Like when you're making those changes, there's just so much questioning.
0: Yeah, especially when it doesn't feel that so Medication's is a great example. And I didn't talk too much about my experience with medication in our medication episode, but um, the transitions were especially difficult going on and going off. Really bad side effects starting up, horrible withdrawal coming off. So every time I would make one of those decisions, it was like I wasn't picking between what's better, it was what's going to hurt less, or or it felt like I was picking between my mental health and my physical health because I couldn't have both. And that's an ongoing struggle I have with medication, and recently I had to um, make a decision of, of increasing current medication or, or subsequently trying a new medication. And it sucked because it, there was no way I could win that decision, I was going to question that decision because no decision was good, I mean, no decision felt good because I have to pick. Do I want to physically feel okay or do I want to mentally feel okay? And you know when you're, you're. Um, there's there's a line in this TV show called Little Fires Everywhere, and it's basically that um, it was like you don't make good choices, you have good choices, and the fact that, and the idea that sometimes we're not given a choice between two. We don't. We, we're not given two great choices. We might be given two shitty choices, and we still have to make that. And I think sometimes that comes up with medication for me medication in particular uh but also therapists you know if you're trying to switch therapists if for me it's it's if one isn't working and I want to try a new one there's a lot of anxiety in that I have to find somebody new tell them my life history so um yeah
1: prepare them a slideshow so that they know what they're getting themselves into I've literally done that <laughs> see, I know that's oh, why okay. I bring it up you're saying it as a
0: joke, but like I've literally done that because it's so no, exhausting I know to find a new therapist and have to tell them your whole spiel and life story. So, that's that's a big change. It's a change I actually had to make a couple times over the past year um, with feeling like my therapists were not both of them at the time were not equipped uh, to handle escalating racial issues and tensions and they weren't being supportive and they weren't catering to my life experiences as a, a racialized Muslim queer person and, and couldn't not that they had to understand that experience because I'm not expecting to find a witnessness that's exactly like me but some of the the ways in which they approached handling those issues was problematic and that's a problem that a lot of people of color face is, finding uh, a therapist that actually is going to understand their life experience.
1: You wrote a really good article about this in The Mighty, mm-hmm. um, which I've plugged before and will plug again. I'm, Please. Read. I'm
0: such a great cheerleader all the time. It's,
1: it's I, great. Get, oh, I love it. Get
0: yourselves a friend like Brit, who's just going to <laughs> do all of this shameless promotion that you feel too, like, too much of an asshole to do. So just.
1: I will just say I do the promotion because it's worth it. It's worthy. The article was really good and it just really highlighted this uh, discrepancy and this this kind of divide that you're feeling um, and that, that many people are feeling around therapy. And I like that you say, you know, my therapist doesn't need to be exactly like me, but there needs to be care and understanding um uh, and education uh, around what it's like dealing with those issues, what it's what it's like having a client who fits into categories that you may not have experience with. You know that's something that um, therapists definitely need training with. And something that comes to mind for me is I think just because a therapist has been able to help you with X Y problems doesn't mean they can help you with Z problems and. We can start questioning ourselves. Like same with the medication, same with any other change. Of okay, but it's worked before. It's worked before. Why is it not working now? Yeah, it goes with. And that- again, so, sorry, I was just going to say sometimes it's obvious why it's not working now, and sometimes it's not. But yeah, it goes like with trusting ourselves and being more mindful. And, and sorry, what were you going to say? I was going to say it goes in line with the life changes piece,
0: right? So, with my my therapist that I. I could no longer work with, it was before, you know, race wasn't the biggest issue on my mind. It was there, but I didn't realize how much it was there because I was dealing with other things. It was job and, and she was great with that. It was trauma and she was great with that. It was family and she was great with that. But when it came to race, just not go- not just race, race, privilege, just all, all of that in general. Um, and it was a transition because that was becoming much bigger for me. There was a lot of trauma coming up that I had previously blocked out, forgotten about, not ever addressed, and now it was something I needed to, but she couldn't be there for that. So it was okay. See ya, I'm not spending an hour of my week paying you to educate you. Um, I need to, to find someone else. And then, you know, there was another therapist that I had a similar issue with, but after a while I went back to that same therapist and now she's done a lot of learning and done a lot of work and she's great so I'm not saying if if a therapist isn't treating you well keep going back because that's not the goal but uh it it worked out for me and I'm, I'm grateful for that
1: how do you keep up hope well everything this episode is sounding so cheesy but changes and trying to stay well adjusted when Things are, cues are hard. Life is changing, even when life's not changing. And like you said, you know, you've seen multiple therapists. I've had, we've had different experiences with medication. Like it can start to feel pretty hopeless that you're never going to feel well adjusted. And just like a quick aside, when I was bringing up this episode with, with Shelby earlier, we were chatting about how you know, we've made huge strides in recognizing that mental illness is not like a one and done, like once you're healed, you know, which is maybe I think definitely I approached it that way before. Like one day I will no longer have anxiety or one day I just will never be depressed. We've learned a lot more that it's not like that. It's it's the journey. And, and for some, but some people, it does go. Away. For some people, it's yes. a thing that happens. They have a
0: depressed period in their life and it, it doesn't even have to be related to a life event. It can just happen or they can go on medication. They can feel different but but for us it's our mental illnesses are not going away
1: they're here they're and they will be here and that doesn't mean that we're not happy or we're like you know I, i'm more telling this to myself than anyone else of like i still get to live a fulfilling life and i'm i still get joy and all of those things but i also it's not even a but it's like it's an and it's just all the caveats we've talked about this all the facets of who we are as humans But it can get really discouraging when you're trying all these strategies and your strategies that worked one day aren't working anymore. And you're trying new things and it's just not – it's not getting you to that point of well adjustment. How do you find hope during that time? Or do you not find hope?
0: No. I mean – and you know this about me. I love to err on the side of pessimism versus optimism. I don't like toxic positivity at all. I'm very much about – taking things at face value and accepting them and dealing with them. And that's sort of been my coping mechanism. So I was talking to a friend about this a few months ago and she was talking about happiness and and how I'll feel happy and where I'll feel happy or, you know, this happiness as a journey and not a destination thing. And I sort of said, you know, I'm, I've accepted the fact that the happiness I experience will not be as full or as happy as the happiness that somebody else might get to experience. And that sounds really sad. It sounds very hopeless. But for me, it means that that's just a reality. And, and, and no amount of trying or pushing or hurting to get there is going to get me there because I'm different. Just like I'm never going to be six feet tall. I think I could probably mm. hit 5'9", but I don't think i <laughs>
1: Wow the I good thing about
0: are...
1: our <laughs> <laughs> like I know that we have listeners who don't actually know what we look like and and that's really weird for me but also awesome but if you don't know what we look like please like look us up on the interwebs um, and you'll see that uh, that Amira is really close to 5 nine you know <laughs> they're just getting there like just below maybe on a good day you know so um, are you, yeah, look you look like 5'9 am I what aren't you like 5'9 uh, yeah on a good day On a good day. <laughs> no f- I, I say I say I'm 5'8 on a good day and you know what short people don't understand this but there is such thing well I don't know who t- sometimes people give me this look they're like on a good day isn't height consistent like yeah I, I know I know how biology works thank you very much no, but you're taller but in the morning I before gravity and the weight of the world weighs you down there you go. Didn't that astronaut come back like an inch taller or something? Maybe I got go to go to space. Anyways. Um, that's how you're going to get to be 5'9". Perfect. We're going to send you up into space. What was I actually talking about? Um, The fact that you have acknowledged that your happiness isn't going to right. feel as full as maybe what you were aiming for before based on what you've seen from other yeah. people. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that's the first thing I have about hope.
0: The second thing is... I think hope is an excellent thing. I think it's an inspiring thing. But I think it has to be in the right amounts. I think there's a risk of being too hopeful and slipping into ignorance's bliss and mm-hmm. using that to turn off to your surroundings. So if I were to be super hopeful that there are more than enough therapists that are well-versed in, um, you know racial issues, anti-oppression and anti-racism, anti-black racism for, for folks that are looking for that familiar with indigenous issues. If I were to be too hopeful, I can hope that someone finds what they need and that I might find what I need. But am I gonna be hopeful that the entire system is is going to evolve and overnight we're gonna have these wonderful well-informed therapists? Absolutely not. I, I can't have hope for that because there's I mean I, I can have hope years down the long line, term. long term. But that's not going to happen in the Shardom. It's not going to happen during my lifetime. And I think that's why we need to remember is there needs to be perspective with hope. Because hope mm-hmm. without perspective is just, it's the rose-colored glasses. It's the inability to see reality or red flags. So I'm, I'm a bit more cautious on the hope front. But how do you, how do you find hope? Because I feel like we're a little bit different in this way.
1: We definitely are we have some differences. I think that I agree with you. The rose colored glasses, my my big problem with the rose colored glasses is it can cause a lot of self-blame. When you th- like when I find that I'm believing that everything's gonna work out and it's like it's not working out, then I start thinking oh, really inwardly like yeah. I'm the problem. Yeah. Um, and that's like a really dangerous way of line of thinking for me for sure. I find that um, I wouldn't say that like when things are in flux that I'm like really I remember or, that they're not always going to be that way. You know, like I really you forget that you need your people to remind you sometimes like when you're going through a period of um, not being well adjusted that you will get back there. And you don't really believe them when they say that either. Like it's, it's really hard. I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm hopeful. I would say that in the same way that things just change and sometimes your strategies don't work. Like sometimes things just change and they start working again. And I don't hold out hope for that, but I just kind of like go through the days and then suddenly there's, (laughs) I'm not a huge Taylor Swift fan, but uh, in her new album, there's like a line of something of like, I realized I wasn't thinking about you. And like, she's talking about an ex or something like whatever. She all of a sudden like realized that she hadn't been thinking about this ex That's kind of how it feels for me with like flare ups or adjustments or whatever. Like I'll go through periods of being low and my strategies aren't working and I'm trying and I'm trying and I'm trying. And then when I'm well adjusted, like I don't have this moment of like, oh yeah, like I did all this work and now I'm here. It's like suddenly I'm like, oh wait, I'm I'm actually, I've been feeling better this last week and maybe whatever I'm doing is working. So yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say that I sit there and I'm like, I know I'm going to feel better and like hope. Like hope doesn't necessarily, hope's not really the word, but I've, I guess, gained enough trust that in the same way that life feels low, it'll also feel not high, but normal or or not low. Yeah. And maybe high sometimes, but it, it, yeah, it ebbs and flows. It ebbs and flows bad and it ebbs and flows good. And sometimes you don't even know what's changed, but suddenly things are working in ways. For instance, maybe we should do like a positive example too. Actually, I didn't even think about this when I was first. Um, when we were first chatting about this idea, but meditation never worked for me. Never. Absolutely. Anyone like my mom would be like, Brit, just try it. That's how you can ease your anxiety. I'd literally be like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) Even to my mom, because I was like, you know, I don't like that suggestion. And then all of a sudden lately meditation is working in a way that's like useful for me. I can't, I couldn't tell you why. I don't know what's necessarily changed, but it's suddenly working. And I'm not, I even, I know my mom's gonna listen to this and she's gonna say, I told you so. But it's not, I told you so. Because when I said it wasn't working, it wasn't working and now it's working. Yeah, you, That's not because I can held revisit. out hope for
0: meditation. Yeah, you can revisit um, strategies that maybe didn't work for you in the past and they might work better now or they might work better on medication versus off medication. Like medication can help you use the coping mechanisms that used to work. Because sometimes you'll have things that worked and then the worse you get the less those things help. So it's like, okay, what do I need to do here? What needs to help here? And I th- I think it's important to recognize that there's gonna be times where you go on and off. And like obviously with medication you want to be doing that with a doctor's support if possible, which we've talked at talked about extensively. But it's it's just recognizing what does what does my mind and body need in this moment? And if it's not what I needed yesterday, that's fine. If it's not what I needed last year, that's fine. Uh, if I'm trying to figure out something new, that's also fine. Um, even even in the way you get support from relationships, I used to want to be a lot more independent. Wouldn't ever want like physical touch or something like that. And now I'm like, I actually need those things. Those are those are needs that I have. And so it also then means when when you're changing, this is the other important one. When you're changing. You need to talk to the people around you about how those changes are happening. What are the changes you're making? What are the changes you might need from them? Because the way you need support is changing. And that's a really interesting conversation to have to try to navigate is how do I tell someone, hey, my needs are changed. So I need, not I need you to change, but what worked for us in the past isn't going to work now. And the way we show up for each other is going to adjust and change. And I think sometimes we forget about the fact that our internal changes also have
1: an impact on the relationships around us. That's a really good point. We keep saying the word change. Here's a question for you. Here's an answer for you. Um, as people who are high functioning or, you know, we love our routines how do we learn to embrace this, these kinds of changes? Do you ever get frustrated with the fact that we have to change strategies and change coping mechanisms? Yes, and-
0: the, the constant pivot is exhausting, but I also wanna add the caveat that my experience might be a little different from yours or from another person's because I have ADD as well. So change in routine, transitions, anything like that is extremely difficult. Extremely difficult for people with ADHD. Uh, it any any slight changes can you know completely thwart whatever else it is. So adjusting to quarantine, for example, was very difficult for a lot of people. But the change in routine, I I am still struggling, and it led to significant mental health challenges. So it, yes, it's exhausting to have these these constant changes, but. I think if you're not trying to adjust, you're just gonna let you know your mental illness or your symptoms really get away from you. So it's it's about getting into a routine and a habit of like you said at the beginning of the episode, these audits. Whether it's a daily audit, a monthly audit, a quarterly audit. Having these different audits where you're like, where am I at? What's working, what's not working? And that kind of self awareness is really difficult to cultivate because it really has to be such a such a routine and such a commitment but it gets it gets a little bit easier the more you do it. And um, it's a great strategy for saying, what worked last week that isn't working now, or what strategy that I needed last week that I actually don't need now. And that's maybe an indication that things are improving. So, okay, what did I do then in the last week that might've led to this improvement? And for someone like me, who's very like data oriented and analytical, getting and collecting all of these data points is a really helpful way for me to build up a strong toolbox of support for change.
1: And then that toolbox, I'm literally imagining a toolbox and like when you no longer need the hammer, you upgrade to a different hammer or you downgrade like, sorry, downgrade's the wrong word, but you you switch out for a hammer that's better used for whatever is on whatever project you're working on. I think for me... (sighs) I really like when I find things that work mm-hmm. and I I find so much joy and comfort in things that work and I really beat myself up when they stop working. Yeah. I love my it's not that I love my routines. I love when I figure out a routine that actually works because I have this tendency, I know I'm not the only one like this where, you know, I dream big and I and I have all these ideas of what a perfect day will look like. And you read, you know, we talk about this before about hustle porn and toxic positivity of all this stuff. Of like I wake up every day at 5am and then I meditate and then I do yoga and then da, da da da. And I've been doing it this way for five years and I can barely do it for a week, you know, before I complete, not even before I fail at it. I just like forget that I was doing it, you know? Yep. Um, And then you get so down on yourself. I think one thing during quarantine, actually, that's been really highlighted to me as I feel like the changes have to happen a lot quicker. I'm, I'm a lot, I'm doing the audits a lot more frequently changes have to happen a lot quicker. I'm really trying to have grace with myself that any routine is still good. Yep. Um even if that means some days there's no routine and this can get really hard for me too for instance like bedtime routine. So I have really weird sleep patterns. I've been an insomniac. I've been a uh, um diagnosed with like clo- I forget the word, but essentially like a less severe narcolepsy. So I've been all across. And so sleep routines, I figure out a sleep routine that works, which very much includes like washing my face at night. Like that's something I've gotten in the habit of. And then there's like one night that I don't wash my face and I'm like, the whole month is a sham, you know, like everything is awful. And so learning to part, part of, part of adjustments, I think is learning that like the flux can happen on a big scale, like making big changes, but also just being kind and graceful for yourself when like, you forget to wash your face one night, you know, it doesn't mean that no other night counts. Yeah. Um, it just means that you forgot one night. And I think, yeah, I, I'm definitely still struggling with that very much. Like as I have to make these changes, how do I not get mad at myself when I don't do them every day? Or, or how do I get so excited about a routine and then I lose the routine? And just in the way I'm talking about it, I, I know, and I, it, it's even bringing up my heart rate. Because I know this is something I'm really struggling with. I, I want to feel like I have... I want to feel like I have a book-worthy routine. You know, that I could write my own, like, business book and be like, this is what I do every morning. But it changes for me so much. And I have to adjust it so much that I don't know if I'll ever have that. And I think it's a sham anyways. Well, think, but I'm not admitting to myself that no, yet. And
0: I, and I mean, I, I'm glad you're bringing grace to yourself with that. Because routines are important, but they're not every day. Like people change their routines on the weekend. They might have a different weekend routine. It doesn't mean that they don't have a weekday routine. So for me it's I used to be the same way where it's like if I mess it up one night then that's it. It's like starting from scratch, starting from zero, you know, back at day 1 again. And when I started of changing, I was like, okay, maybe I'm going to go for like a like an 80% success rate. Or like out of 30 days, what if I hit 22 days or 25 days? And then I have all these days in between where I'm like, okay, I missed that one day. It's fine, because I've still got all these other days banked. Um, And that kind of helps, because otherwise it's like, well, I missed one, it's over, and then I get distracted by something and go to something else. So I think adjusting the way we treat our routines or treat our commitment to routines can be helpful in helping us maintain them. Otherwise, there's a lot of pressure, and when there's any pressure on me to do something, I'm like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And I don't do it. So it's it's like, what do you... It's not about what do I have to do? It's about what do I need? What's going to make mm-hmm. me feel better and not worse? And sometimes by having all these things and lists and routines of things we need to do to feel better, we actually make ourselves feel worse because there's so much to do. So it's, okay, can we simplify this? Can we take things away? Like, you know, maybe I don't need to take eight vitamins a day. Maybe three is fine. Or... Or whatever it is to just make it a little easier on you, so you have that flexibility. So when you when you miss one day or you miss one thing, it's okay
1: because you're still you're still trucking along. The vitamins just hit hard because this morning I'm like very very close to finishing up my omegas, uh, and I have them in gummy form, and I really don't like omegas in um in like pill oh, form. They're so big. And they're so they're big. So big. So I have them in gummies, but in order to have them in gummies, you need to take a lot in a day and then they're pretty expensive. So I was like, maybe I'm just going to like, we, like not really take my omegas anymore. And then I was like, but it's in my routine. And then I got really in my head about it. Anyways, I like the way that you're, I like the way that you're framing it. We ultimately have to have grace with ourselves for everything, but having that pressure on our routine is just, it's just, it's like a recipe for disaster. It's really, cause this is supposed to help us and pressure for me well, some pressures do help, but on routine and self-care um, pressure doesn't really help. So, I really like that perspective. That's helpful yeah. to me. I mean,
0: I think that's my kind of like overarching thing for the entire episode. As we as we sort of get into to wrapping up of like change is hard. These transitions are hard. They're going to suck. Constantly adjusting is difficult. But the more grace and compassion we can bring to ourselves in those moments, and you know, ask the people around us to extend that same grace and compassion to us when we need it most, is I, I think how we get through, because it's going to be uncomfortable, it's going to be hard, but to get to that well-adjusted place, we need to bring, we need to go through that difficult period, and we need to um, have, have the tools for that to not be so difficult that it pushes us further back.
1: For me, kind of my ending thoughts on this all is that um, your tools don't need to be permanent solutions. They never are. Even when it feels good in your head to say, this is what I'm going to do forever now in order to maintain my mental wellness. It's it's not a reality. It's not reality that any of these things are stuck in stone. And um, for someone like me who wants things to be stuck in stone so badly, that's really hard. But the compassion, the grace... The recognizing that when you do a self-audit, whether that be, again, daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, you can choose strategies that are going to work for that, that specific self-audit, and that's okay. They don't need to be lifelong strategies. They can just be today's strategies or this week's strategies or this month's strategies. And even as I say that, my skin crawls because I would love to just have a list of my lifetime strategies that I can start doing now and that I never have to adjust and never have to think about so I can think about other things like, you know, ruling the world one day. Like, I don't know. I'd rather be thinking about that. But all that to say, things are going to change. That's just the nature of life. And sometimes they're really obvious. And sometimes you have no idea why things aren't working anymore. But we're just going to keep puttering along.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, give yourself permission to get rid of the things and the tools that are no longer serving you to make space for the ones that could serve you later. Because you don't you don't know what that might be yet. But, you know, if you have space for it, then then you're, you're more likely to find those things. So that's it for me.
1: Yeah. Me, well, one last thought, yeah. actually, but it's a quick one. There are no rules. Okay. You, you don't have to make rules. for I know, I know I'm talking to myself here and I know there's other people who are just obsessed with your own rules to try and make sense of the world and make comfort in it. Like those rules can do more harm than good, to be honest. Yeah. So again, that grace, whew, things are going to change. I'm literally, my heart rate is up because I know this is my big issue, but I like that we're talking about it. Um, so we're all just figuring it out. Yeah.
0: Alright, no, so we're gonna we're gonna do a, we're gonna cut the recording here, but I'll uh, do a little check-in with, with Britt and her heart rate after this. Um, thanks for tuning in. This has been High Functioning.